0: This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County Newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Thank you for joining us this morning. It is 8.16 right now. And we are broadcasting out of the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric has been serving our community since 1936. Learn more at MTE.com. Again that time, 817. We're going to take a look at the news locally and also news from around the country with CBS Radio News in just a minute. But before we get started on news around the globe from CBS, let's take a look at some of the local news stories of the morning, starting with this one. The Tennessee College of Applied Technology, established in 1963 by the Tennessee General Assembly, has been a cornerstone of workforce development in the state. And today, the network of over 20 schools remains dedicated to providing high-quality, work-specific training to citizens, preparing them for employment. Leslie Smith, an instructor in the Electrical Maintenance Program at TCAD Murfreesboro, stated,
1: The way we structure our curriculum, we uh, mold ourselves to what's needed out in industry. Eighty percent of what we do would, would meet the needs for the entire industry. When I started here 30 years ago, as a student and as an instructor, you literally had to, I I brought parts from work in here and built training programs, trainers. Where we're at now, we're driving a Cadillac, let me tell you. I mean, I'd have killed for a third of what they have right now, not only to teach but to have learned. So, number one, be, be here because you want to. Want to learn and not just get a grade, and I'll get you a job for $30 an hour.
0: Now the Murfreesboro campus continues to help individuals find their feet, if you would, and sometimes finding the ground comes long after high school.
1: Returning students usually come come in with uh, a renewed enthusiasm.
0: And again, that was Leslie Smith, an instructor in the electrical maintenance program at TCAD Murfreesboro, and he told us that you know education—it's more than just passing a test.
1: Our goal is to take all the students, whether one's fresh out of high school or, or some just getting back into some new, uh, a new career field, is to get them to thinking about learning the material and not passing the test.
0: Most recently, and just a few days before Christmas, TCAT celebrated its fall commencement with over 150 graduates in programs that prepared students for new careers in cosmetology. HVAC installation and maintenance and computer-aided design known as CAD. The biggest thing, words of wisdom, that I would give the community, you know, would be come and visit a TCAT. The jobs of yesterday have changed tremendously, and it doesn't look what it used to look like 20 years ago. Technical education is the backbone of our society. That was Patrick Wade, president of TCAT in Murfreesboro and in Smyrna. On December the 19th, the Murfreesboro TCAC campus commemorated the graduation of their very first emergency medical technology students. And as the new year is ushered in, the second group of students to participate in that brand new EMT program will begin coursework, which starts next week. The EMT course takes four months to complete. With a commitment to economic and community development, accessibility, and building strong relationships with industry leaders, the Tennessee Colleges of Applied Technology continue to be a premier supplier of highly skilled workforce, or rather I should say of the highly skilled workforce in areas of need throughout the state. You know, whenever there's a need, whenever industries are having a hard time finding that qualified person, then we want to make sure we're standing ready for that. The mission of the Tennessee College of Applied Technology in Murfreesboro, aligned with its statewide vision, is to lead workforce development by delivering top-notch technical education to the region. TCAT, by the way, is a network of more than 20 schools dedicated to providing high-quality, work-specific training to citizens all while preparing them for employment. In other news, Murfreesboro detectives are seeking the public's help in identifying a person of interest connected to an attempted burglary at the Vape Guru Smoke Shop on Middle Tennessee Boulevard. The incident occurred on December the 4th when police say that multiple rocks were thrown at the business's front glass door and the side window, resulting in about $1,200 worth of damages. Detectives are now keen on questioning the individual in connection with the attempted burglary, and they are urging anyone with information to come forward. Uh, That person of interest can be seen in surveillance footage that was released by the MPD, and we have it posted both in picture and on video on our website, WGNSRadio.com. Just search for this story. You'll see the pictures and the video. As the year draws to an end, driving statistics for Rutherford County reveal both areas of improvement and causes for concern. According to data compiled by the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security, a total of 29,923 accidents were reported in Rutherford County this year. Among contributing factors to these accidents, distracted or drowsy driving accounted for over 3,000 incidents while 1,800 accidents were linked to drinking or drug use. Speeding also played a significant role, with over 2,000 accidents involving drivers exceeding the speed limit in the Murfreesboro, Smyrna, Laverne, and Eagleville areas. Tennessee appears to be ending the year with a 1.5% increase in fatal accidents, with 1,316 reported as of December 28th yesterday. Comparatively, December 28th of last year recorded 1,297 fatal accidents while the same or rather that is with that same date of December 28th but yet going back several years prior in 2021 that year ended with 1,319 traffic fatalities. Now unfortunately Rutherford County has experienced no change in the number of fatal accidents when comparing 2022 and 2023. Both this year and last year recorded 38 fatalities year-to-date, while 2021 year-over-year numbers were nine less at 29. Broken down, there was a 31% increase or jump in fatalities when comparing 2021 with 2022. The number of pedestrian fatalities in Rutherford County has shown some variation. This year, for example, there were two fewer pedestrian fatalities compared to the same period last year and one less than the year-to-date numbers recorded in 2021. The state's documentation reports three pedestrian fatalities in 2021 in Rutherford County and in 2022 there were four This year, there have been two distracted driving related accidents resulted in five fatalities this year in Rutherford County, marking an increase from two last year and none in 2021. South of Murfreesboro in Bedford County, the statistics are more alarming, with 16 traffic fatalities representing a 100 percent jump from the previous year. The comparison between 2021 and 2022 in Bedford County shows a similar 100% increase. And when comparing 21 to 2023, there has been a staggering 200% uptick in fatalities in Bedford County. Now, as the year concludes... These driving statistics underscore the need for continued efforts in promoting road safety and awareness, with a focus on addressing the specific challenges contributing to accidents in Rutherford County and its neighboring areas. Authorities and communities alike are encouraged to work, you know, as a collaborative effort, all to implement measures that enhance road safety and reduce the risk of accidents in the upcoming year, of 2024. New data released by the Department of Labor and Workforce Development reveals encouraging news for Tennessee as the unemployment rates decreased in the majority of the state's counties in November. Out of Tennessee's 95 counties, 89 recorded lower rates for the month, indicating positive trends in the job market. In the local landscape, Rutherford County stands out with the fourth Again, fourth lowest unemployment rate in the state of Tennessee, according to those statistics from the state. For the month of November, Rutherford County reported a jobless rate of 2.7%, positioning its favorability in the state rankings. Tying for the fifth spot with Sumner County, Rutherford County demonstrates its resilience in maintaining a robust job market. At the top of the list was Moore County. Moore County boasted an impressive 2.4% unemployment figure for November. Williamson County secured the second position with 2.6% for their jobless rate, sharing the spot with Sevier County at number three, also at 2.6%. Breaking down the data within Rutherford County, the cities continue to outperform the national averages. Smyrna, with its 2.6% unemployment rate, takes the lead as the city with the lowest unemployment figure in Rutherford County. This marks a a 0.2-point decrease from the employment figures recorded in October, showcasing Smyrna's ongoing economic hardiness. Laverne Laverne follows closely with the second lowest unemployment rate in Rutherford County at 2.7%. Meanwhile, Murfreesboro maintains commendable jobless figures, reporting a 2.8 percent unemployment rate for the month of November, the latest month to be released by the state of Tennessee. Now, these statistics further demonstrate the positive trajectory of Tennessee's job market and local success of Rutherford County in fostering employment opportunities. As communities continue to navigate economic recovery, the focus remains on sustaining these positive trends and encouraging an environment conducive to ongoing growth and stability. Now, for Tennessee as a whole... Unemployment remained the same in three counties this past November and increased in three counties as well. November's data also showed that 92 of the state's 95 counties recorded jobless rates of less than 5% during the month. Uh, The remaining three counties had rates that were higher than 5% but less than 10%. Perry County, Tennessee recorded November's highest unemployment rate with a rate of 5.3%. The county's new rate dropped by a staggering 2.6 percentage points from its October rate in Perry County, which was 7.9 percent. But again, Perry County has the state's highest, the state's highest unemployment rate. That's Perry County, Tennessee. In other news stories to wrap up this year, in the past four weeks alone, Murfreesboro has seen. Five hundred and thirty plus crime reports spanning a range of offenses to include assault, burglary, fraud, motor vehicle theft, robbery, sex crimes, larceny and more. One particular concern is the costly crime of motor vehicle thefts with 14 incidents reported during the whole month uh, of December. Again, 14 cars reportedly stolen in Pro City Limits for the month of December. And then if you look at the uh, the bigger picture, a disturbing total, a total of over 200 vehicles stolen in Murfreesboro in the past six months. Keep in mind, that's in the city limits alone. Now, expanding our lens to the state level, Tennessee is grappling as a whole with a startling trend of increasing auto thefts. And a recent report from HubScore revealed a 23% surge in car thefts across the state of Tennessee when comparing 2021 to 2022. Once all the numbers are in for this year of 23, which ends right around the corner on Sunday, it looks like that we may see another year of growth in auto thefts. Now, Tennessee, the auto thefts here, they stand 11% higher than the national average. According to the Most Dangerous States of 2023 report by HubScore, Tennessee ranks at number eight for the highest spike in car thefts in year-over-year research between 2021 and 2022. Last year, the state witnessed a staggering 25,550 cars being stolen. That's up from 20,000 in 2021. Tennessee's Danger Index score of 58 Places it firmly among the states facing significant safety concerns. Now, that's especially true in the transportation safety category, where it scored a 7.7. Now, uh, the number one state for being the most dangerous state was Louisiana. Locally, here in Murfreesboro, we have a concerning picture with over 30 reported robberies, over 100 sex crimes, and over 150 burglaries in the past six months. The prevalence of drugs and alcohol possibly contributing to these crimes is evident, with at least 900 drug or alcohol violations handled by Murfreesboro Police in the last 180 days. DUI charges have also been high, with 25 filed in the past four weeks and around 230 over the past six months. That's another story you can get more details on by visiting WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 8.32. CBS News is just around the corner. And we'll update you on a variety of stories from around the country and around the world. Again, that's with CBS News in just a minute. Time right now, 8.32. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. I'm always one of those that goes on and off diets. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. And you know, at Demis is one of the things that I started doing because of my own eating habits is, is we have a low calorie menu and a low carb menu. So, depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's.
2: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
1: The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947.
0: WTNS, AM, FM, and online. This is CBS News presented by Indeed.com.
2: I'm Wendy Gillette. The death toll keeps rising after Russia launched the biggest air attack against Ukraine since the war started almost two years ago. It has now reached 20. Russia launched almost 160 missiles and drones at Ukrainian targets. But as CBS News correspondent Kemi McCormick reports, the assault is far from isolated. NATO says its air forces were scrambled more than 300 times in response to Russian military aircraft this year. Most of the encounters occurred over the Baltic Sea. The alliance has reinforced its air defenses along its eastern flank, and NATO fighter jets are on duty around the clock. Security will be tight at New Year's Eve celebrations nationwide. CBS's Tom Hansen has more from New
0: York. With the countdown to the new year on, all eyes will be on New York's Times Square in a matter of days for the big celebration, at a time with increasing tensions here and abroad. There have been nearly 500 protests in New York City since the Israel-Hamas war started in early October, creating an added layer of safety concerns this year.
2: The occupation has got to go.
0: Pro-Palestinian demonstrators gathered near Rockefeller Center last month, attempting to disrupt the annual tree lighting ceremony. The protest at times turning violent, leading to several arrests.
2: It's definitely not safe for swimming along parts of the California coast. Correspondent Carter Evans explains why.
0: Waves as high as 40 feet are pounding the California coastline. In Ventura County, the surf flooded streets with debris reaching several blocks inland. We've got high swells. We've got waves coming in directions we're not used to them coming. Even the most seasoned swimmer and surfer, this is dangerous water. On Thursday, coastal flooding warnings were in effect for much of central California, while evacuation orders were issued in several communities in Santa Cruz and Marin counties. Further south, lifeguards kept inexperienced swimmers out. Out of the water, but many expert surfers took advantage of the rare opportunity to ride waves as high as a two-story building.
2: Maine's Secretary of State has disqualified former President Donald Trump from its p- primary ballot under the Insurrection Clause of the 14th Amendment. CBS News legal contributor Lori Levinson. At this point, many states are looking to the U.S. Supreme Court for further guidance on what exactly Section 3 of the 14th Amendment provides and whether or not the events of January 6th and the former president's involvement in those events mean that he is disqualified from appearing on state presidential ballots. This is CBS
0: News. You don't need a job platform. You need a hiring partner. Indeed lets you schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from one place. Start at Indeed.com slash There are over 10,000 reasons why steel is not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot. Find tools for the job site or your own backyard at over 10,000 authorized local steel dealers. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks with their respective companies.
3: Don't let a cold, sinus infections, or allergies ruin your holidays. Add Navage to your gift list so you can bring breathe- Breathe easier, sleep better, and feel healthier all year long. Ask for Navage
2: at Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Target, or find us online at navaj.com.
0: This year, wouldn't you like to stop feeling self-conscious about your receding hairline or thinning hair? Millions of men and women around the world trust hair grow from New Nordic as an effective way to get thicker-looking hair. Hair Grow is backed by an exclusive U.S. patent and is clinically proven to promote more hair growth. Ask for hair grow at your local Walgreens or shop online at Amazon.com or NewNordicUSA.com. That's new nordicus Amazon or ask for hair grow at your local Walgreens.
2: Five million BlendJet blenders are under recall because their blades could break off. This is the new Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. It packs big blender power on the go.
4: Blendjet has also received reports that the blenders are overheating or catching fire. The Consumer Product Safety Commission says the California-based company has heard of 329 incidents in which the blender's blades broke off while the product was in use, along with 17 reports of overheating or fires that have resulted in property damage claims and 49 reports of minor burn injuries. The company says... As it's changed the product's electrical wiring and is using thicker blades. Consumer Reports says it's been raising safety concerns about the Chinese-made blenders since
0: August. Christopher Cruz, CBS News.
2: Warmer weather may be pleasant this time of the year, but it's not so hot for the country's lakes. In Minnesota, ice houses that were set up are getting torn down. Wendy Gillette, CBS News.
0: The Action Line. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. I like water aerobics. Margaret Ordabadian chose Adam's Place. It's been a great boon for my
4: health to have water aerobics. The pool is saltwater pool,
1: and the instructors are all geriatric trained. And then they have uh, stretch and balance to help you keep from falling.
2: I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Call Adams Place today at 615-904-9111.
0: The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This morning, we're talking with Melissa Garcia, and your son has been going through a lot, medically speaking, I guess, since birth in a lot of ways. Tell us a little bit about him and and his story.
4: Well, we found out while I was pregnant with him that there was something um, wrong during an ultrasound, that uh, he was going to have kidney issues, and uh, he also has some other underlying issues as well. They monitored me very closely, and whenever I was 34 weeks, they decided that he, he could not take, take it anymore, so he had to be born early. So they actually induced me, and he was born at 34 weeks, and he spent a month in the hospital. And um, that kind of began all of the ups and downs that he's faced. He's had a, a bunch of different types of surgeries over the years, The last major surgery that he had was when they removed his kidney, and that was right before he started kindergarten. And with my husband being in the military, we moved quite a bit. So every place we moved, the doctors had a different idea of what, you know, their own ideas, their own treatment plans. This is the most stable that we've been able to be with him and had consistent care being here since my
0: husband retired. First learning that one of his kidneys would have to be removed, that was first learned when he was one?
4: When he was um, a baby, he had one kidney that actually never developed, and it didn't function at all. It functioned when they did a, a test. You know, they do tests all the time. Um, It functioned less than 1%. So it didn't do anything. It was just kind of there. They didn't actually talk about removing his kidney until, I want to say it was probably about three or four months before we were on the schedule to do it. So I think it was the beginning of that year. So it's been a a little bit... They they wanted to remove it so they could make an area um, because it didn't ever do anything anyways. Um they felt that it'd be better to remove that kidney and make an area for him. That way they could access his bladder. And it also helps him to make sure that it, it drains out easily.
0: Learning his kidney is not functioning properly the first time has got to be difficult. But then learning several years later that his now one kidney is not functioning properly what are some of the thoughts that that went through your mind upon learning that second kidney is not working properly?
4: Um, We were kind of always thinking that it was going, that it was, I I guess we didn't anticipate them removing a kidney. And uh, I, I never really thought a whole lot about that until that happened, that now he only has one. But essentially, he's always only had one. And now that it's not functioning as well, and it hasn't been functioning that well for a while, you know, we can see the decline in him, his health. And it's hard because there's only so many things you can't control. And you obviously, I want to, I'd like to be able to give him mine. I tried to make sure that I, try to stay healthy so I could potentially give him mine but whenever I found out that our blood types were different, that kind of knocked me out. I can't be his donor and it's just scary the unknown of what's going to happen what can't happen and how wrong things can go if he doesn't take his medication after he has transplant. He doesn't take it exactly as it's prescribed twice a day in the morning and at night, it could mean that his body will reject that new kidney. And then he has no kidney. There's nothing. So that's really scary, the thought of that. It's heartbreaking. I hate that when he goes to the hospital, the pain that he's in, knowing that I can't do anything for him, but just be there with him. It's uh, very difficult.
0: I think most parents will agree that... Whenever one of our children is sick, be it a a common cold or they have to have their tonsils removed, whatever the case may be, there's always a lot of worry. There's a fear there that I don't know what to do. I'm helpless, especially when it's a situation where your child's in the hospital and having something surgically done. And you mentioned in one of your posts on social media that this has been a roller coaster for you, your husband. And probably for Noah as well, but what kind of plea would you give to those listening to ask for help in possibly donating their kidney?
4: I would just want people to, if it's something that you feel led to do, just get tested, to share the information. Because just if you aren't comfortable yourself with doing it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person that might see it, they might want to try to help him. That's what I would like, is just to see if we can't find someone who would hopefully be a match and kind of help him have a, I guess a better, not a better life, but it's just very difficult watching somebody young who's your child decline. So it would just, to have people share the information and if they feel led to, to see if they could possibly be a donor for him or even for somebody else. Because he's not the only one. There's a lot of other people.
0: And your son, he's a good kid. Talk a little bit about some of his passions and things that he enjoys.
4: When he was little... He always wanted to play football or be really active and do everything that all boys do. But he's always had limitations because of his kidneys. He couldn't do any contact sports. No soccer, no football, none of those type of things that all your typical boys get to do. So that's always been hard for him to watch on the sidelines as all the other Children get to do those things, and he hasn't been able to do them. He did get to play baseball, and that was nice, seeing him happy and enjoying that. But it got to the point where it was really hard and trying on him. Just like, you know, physically it was exhausting, so he had to stop. But he enjoys cutting the grass. He's trying to, you know, earn extra money. He wants to start a little business. He loves his dog. We have miniature Dachshunds, and he loves loves them. He just loves spending time with them. And being outside and being around friends and family, keeping up with sports. He can't play, but he likes to keep up with them. I
0: was reading on the Vanderbilt Medical Center website where it talks about those who do donate a kidney. They can continue to live a, a totally normal life, just as if they had two functioning kidneys. And that's that's the positive thing about those who do donate a kidney. They're not only saving somebody in a major way, they're also giving that gift that is life, and they're also continuing to live their life. What have doctors told you about not only finding a donor but what that looks like for the person who donates and then what that looks like for your son and uh, a timeline once somebody is a match
4: for the donor they you know they said that it's a little bit harder because their body has to obviously adjust after a surgery but you know your kidney you you can live with one kidney that is functioning and it's just it's overwhelming talking about it sometimes because i feel like uh it's not going to be me just watching. I'm not actually the one going to be doing it. So it's a very surreal experience being on the sidelines with him and not being able to be the one to do it. But for him, the transplant doctor said, you know, he'll have more energy. Hopefully he'll get 15 to 20 years. Oh.
0: So does that mean he'd have to have a second kidney in the future?
4: Um potentially, it's just because of other health issues that he has, but I'm hopeful that it will be longer, that we won't have to do this again. It's harder every time. If you do it again, the likelihood of finding a match is harder because of the antibodies that we have in our bodies naturally, that then he would have a transplant, and then he would have extra antibodies. So it's it was very, it was a lot of information to take in, but because of that, it would make it harder the second time to find a match. You know, every time you get, <clears throat> every time you do a transplant, you have these antibodies that you're taking on from other people that can actually cause you to like an allergy. So your body could react to them and then you build up that in your body. So it just makes it more difficult. And we've had some really great friends volunteer and they've sent in their information and they did the blood work. And, you know, it's just amazing to know that, that people care. Um, you know, just having somebody do that is amazing.
0: I can't imagine going through this in general, but to go through this right at Christmas time has got to make it tougher. But maybe at the same time, that's going to drive more people to say, I want to test to see if I could donate to Noah. For those who do test to donate, how long of a process is it? Or did they tell you at Vanderbilt as far as when somebody submits the information saying, I want to donate, and then they do the blood work, how soon after can they either donate or they learn they don't match?
4: They submit their information, and then they send them a packet in the mail, and then they have to go get the lab work. After the lab work, then they contact them, and they'll let them know if they're a match possibly, like kinda what level they match at, if they match potentially. But then after that there's still more work to be done because you initially show that you could be a match. The person is gonna get as the doctor said, the best physical they have ever had their entire life. The donor it has to be safe for them to donate. So it's not just about, you know, giving Noah their kidney, but also making sure that you know they're protecting the donor and they're well enough and they're healthy enough to donate because there's a criteria that they follow. So there's a little bit more after the initial lab work. I don't know exactly how long it takes. I did ask how many kids were on the transplant list at um, Vanderbilt. They said there weren't a whole
0: lot—five. Um, We're talking with Melissa Garcia. Her son, Noah, who recently turned 14, is in need of a new kidney. Yeah. yeah. For anyone out there listening who is a parent, I I guess the biggest thing that they should do if they're hearing this is just to kind of pause and think, if this were my child, I would want somebody out there listening to to donate a kidney. And, And I know it's a huge request to ask anybody out there to donate a kidney, especially to somebody you don't know, but you have to think: if this were my child, I would want somebody to help them if I wasn't a match. That's true. It's a
4: journey that nobody really completely understands, and they don't know all all of the different you know, nuances of what's gone on with him. You just look and see him, and you're like, oh, okay, here's it. This kid, he looks normal, but, you know, there's a little bit more going on.
0: Noah is 14 years old, loves riding bikes, playing video games, and doing all the same things that most teenagers love. You know, he's definitely
4: had his fair share of uh, ups and downs, but he's he's got a good spirit about it all.
0: But he gets tired a lot quicker and has to take a break. Noah's a little smaller than most 14-year-olds, and the reason why is tied to his kidneys.
4: He was just finally glad that he started growing. Um, yeah, he's finally above 5 feet, which is huge for him because he's always been the smallest. You know, he had to he had to be on gross hormone shot because your kidney regulates your growth. And, you know, that is something that the doctor made a comment like, no, you're Oh, you're not going to have to take it after you get a transplant. So it's little things like that that I think that you know, people don't understand.
0: Noah's got siblings as well. Talk a little bit about that and how helpful have they been in Noah's journey? You
4: know, we have five kids, Noah being number four, and um, it's a lot to juggle, but everybody kind of comes together and tries to help each other. The older kids will help him, and I think that's the one thing that um, has helped is that We've always had each other, everybody's very supportive. My mom is here and she's supportive and she's been
0: super. The Garcia family, determined to find a match for Noah, has already faced the heart-wrenching reality that his mother, Melissa, eager to help as any mother would, is not a compatible donor. That said, the family is very actively participating in efforts to find a kidney for Noah. Despite all odds, Noah is an active teenager who enjoys the same things that all of his friends enjoy. But there's one difference, and it's a big one. It's the urgent need of a Type O or Type B kidney donor willing to donate their kidney. If someone listening would like to find out if they're a match and they would like to donate, they can visit our website, wgnsradio.com, and look for this story, and then follow the links. For WGNS News, I'm Scott Walker reporting.
3: As a leader in environmental services, sustainability is deeply integrated into our business model. At Middlepoint Landfill, we are environmentalists at heart. We use a cutting edge technology in combination with our deep experience in recycling and waste services to protect our environment and our neighbors. That's our job and that's our promise. This is Mike Classen with Middlepoint Landfill. We invite you to learn more about us at middlepointlandfill.com. For public services, we are sustainability
2: in action.
0: Our promise to you is to perform the correct service at an honest price. When you need commercial HVAC services, trust the experts at Roscoe Brown. Our technicians have the skills, knowledge, and tools to fix most commercial HVAC problems on the spot. When your Roscoe Brown technician arrives, they'll explain all your options way before starting repairs. That way you can make an informed decision before work begins. At Roscoe Brown, we're not happy until you're happy. Roscoe Brown. RoscoeBrown.com. WGNS now looks at local news. With the latest, here's Scott Walker. And we're going to close out with an interview with Greenhouse Ministries that we did earlier this morning, talking to Christy Sanford, the executive director at Greenhouse, about their 25th anniversary.
3: We started in um, 1998, and we were helping with just giving out bread. And then we started helping with tutoring for GED and doing some parenting classes and it was fun because a few weeks ago we ran into someone who we had actually helped get their GED back then and then we had someone who uh, came across and they were like, "Uh, I don't know if you remember, but like in 2000 you gave me a computer and now they are doing like uh, editing for a magazine in Alabama, it's crazy. So I think for us, it is to be able to hear the stories and to people to come back and the lives and even legacies of their families that have been shifted and changed. And to me, that's really what it's been about.
0: You know, I think just from the outside observing all that's taken place at Greenhouse, I think you can probably say that little things really have gone to play a much larger role in the lives of others and in ways that most people would never imagine.
3: Agreed. I think, you know, uh, we have a dual mission. One is to serve the underserved and the other is to provide a place for people to serve. So I think for me, just as an observer, not even thinking about the daily working, but just observing, we see as many amazing stories from our volunteers as we do from the people that we serve. And that, to me, is the heart of who Greenhouse is and will continue to be. It's about really being a a part of this community to offer places where people can come in and just, you know, I know we've had somebody say recently, I knew if I could just get to Greenhouse and get a cup of coffee, I could just sit and breathe and visit with someone. You know, we've had somebody that... um, said if I could just get to Greenhouse and get these clothes maybe of someone who passed away out of my house and know that they're going somewhere. So just to have all of that aspect, it really is amazing. And it's like you said, it's the little things Um, And those little stories, to me, that have just compounded over the 25 years.
0: And this morning, we are talking with Christy Sanford, the executive director of Greenhouse Ministries here in Murfreesboro, celebrating their 25th anniversary. Uh, For those who volunteer at Greenhouse, it's the conversations that they may have with those who come to Greenhouse looking for help that may change a direction.
3: Yes, I think, um, you know, you never know what even just giving someone uh, 15, 20 minutes of time just to listen to them. Um, Sometimes that's all people need. They don't need uh, you to tell them where to go to get this or that, but really they just need a sounding board, someone that they can kind of talk through things. And lots of times we hear our volunteers just say, it was so nice just to visit with someone and hear their story. Um, you, You and I both are kind of in that category. We love to hear people's stories. I'm very curious about people, why they are in the situations they are or why they've chosen certain paths or careers. And for me, I think that's really what hits the heart for me is to hear those volunteers talk about somebody they had a conversation with and just see even maybe their countenance change.
0: You know, just listening to somebody who may be on hard times is in a lot of ways kind of like what you do when you go to a counselor of some sort. And when you just listen to somebody, their own words may light a spark in them that they don't even realize they have.
3: Exactly. I think that's exactly it. It it just uh, triggers something in them that they hadn't thought about, they hadn't had an idea, maybe a dream they had lost when they were younger, and just renew something in them.
0: What can we expect at Greenhouse over this 2024 year, which is starting on Monday?
3: We are have lots of things planned. Some of them are throwbacks to what we did uh, at the very beginning. Some of them are new and exciting. Some of them are just talking about um, asking people who have been affected by Greenhouse, whether volunteering or by services, to maybe even just send us a little... 30-second clip on their phone to tell us, you know, their story. We really are just looking at the end of the year next year to be able to have all the stories from all the different uh, aspects of Greenhouse over the 25 years.
0: And once again, we are joined by Christy Sanford, the Executive Director of Greenhouse Ministries. For anybody wanting to learn more, maybe wanting to learn how they can volunteer and fit in at Greenhouse, what should they do?
3: Well, we are offering our volunteer orientation every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You don't have to sign up or register. You can just show up. It takes about an hour, and you get a tour, hear the history, and see all the different areas that are available. They also can reach out on our uh, social medias, or they can call us uh, after Tuesday of next week. Don't call today. And then, uh, of course, they can even just stop by and visit.
0: And Greenhouse can be found online at GreenhouseMin, that's M-I-N dot org. Where are you physically located if anybody may be new to town and they're not familiar with Greenhouse yet?
3: Sure, we are in downtown Murfreesboro. We are at 307 South Academy. And I always say, if you know where the library is or um, the NHC building, we are kind of just across the street from them.
0: Sounds good. Again, Christy Sanford, Greenhouse ministries. Christy, thanks for joining us this morning.
3: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.